Uh, if you have your Bibles, open with me. Turn to 1 Peter, if you would. 1 Peter in the New Testament. If you need a Bible, our ushers are here to serve you. Just wave them down. Be happy to share a copy of God's Word with you. And then a booklet. We've got like a 40-pager going here. Good morning, dear. Good morning. Could you all welcome my lovely wife, Bonnie, to the stage this morning? All camoed out on Valentine's. Trying to disappear. Oh, <laughs> uh, love is a battlefield, Pat Benatar. Kids are like, Pat who? Right? Uh, Jordan Sparks. Love is a battlefield. Hey, this is going to be fun. The next six weeks, we're going to uh, look at marriage together. Uh, if you're new, welcome. Um, thrilled to have you if you're joining us online. We'd love to get you one of these, as Pastor Stephen mentioned, available for you. Just go on the horizon.org app or um, website and find this available. We'll shoot it out to you. Uh, talking to people all around the country, tuning in from different states and countries, and glad that you're here just enjoying this beautiful Lord's Sunday morning, and uh, grateful we can do this together outside. If you're, if you're single, I'm telling you what, this applies, and so grateful that you're joining us for it, because um, maybe you have plans to someday be married, and um, which would make these talks and this topic, don't you think, dear? I mean, it would make it even more more of a timely, uh, crucial uh, topic of conversation to look at uh, before you walk down the aisle, just as much as it is for those that have actually uh, made that decision. So marriage vows, A-E-I-O-U and Y, A-E-I-O-U-E. And we're going to look at the A together uh, this morning, so grab a pen, something to write with. And uh, why don't you read it, dear? Would you mind? Let's um, turn together to this passage. It's there in the booklet for you as well. And we're just going to jump right in. And you can kind of guess along the way which topic of conversation we'll be looking at together where each of these vowels are concerned. But uh, dear, you're a lit major. You're like in, into this like you, even more than I am. But uh, words have vowels. And, um, and words without vowels are, well, there's some, but they're rare. And it seems like vowels become the glue that kind of hold the word together. At least that's kind of the jumping off point that I was shooting for when I kind of felt inspired to put this whole series together. Like a word without a vowel is kind of like a marriage without love. And you need that love. And uh, the Lord has filled you and I with that love. We have an affection for one another. We have an attraction to one another. And yet, in the midst of saying that, and as, as important and as delightfully fun as that is, we ha actually have um, an affection that is greater yes. than our affection for one another. And that becomes the glue that holds our affection even closer and tighter together, right? You know what I mean? I do. And in the sense that um, it's, it's the glue of our marriage that is like the vow is to the word. So 
And we'll look at this together. We'll kind of fill these in. Just play along with us. Uh, I think it's a good way to be remembering a lot of the important uh, topics and principles that come to us throughout God's Word, you know. And uh, we're going to look at some important stuff. And then really filled throughout the whole thing are some pretty amazing Lewis quotes. C.S. Lewis. And I quote him like almost every week. I mean, like right up there, Jesus and Lewis. And, and so uh, the book is filled with a lot of scripture and a lot of C.S. Lewis. We'll look at one of his most amazing quotes together this morning. Fill that in together. Talk about some intimacy killers. You going to share those in your camo gear? And some intimacy enhancers. Hubba hubba baby, come on, yeah, let's it's go. Not, it's not what you're thinking. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, it kind of is because look, look what else we have. Look at this. We also have not 50 ways to lose your love, the 50 ways to be a better husband. You could like go through that list, kind of circle some things that you think might apply or be, be effectively, you know, worked on and lived out in your marriage. 50 ways to be a better wife. Did you like any of those? Couple. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. We'll do our best up here. If, if nothing else, the workbook makes a great paper airplane. Or there's a crossword puzzle in the back, like whatever you want to do. But could you read the passage? Yes. All right, let's just go to God's word. First Peter 1. All right. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So I actually think you've helped us fill in some of the blanks right there out of God's word because you just mentioned some pretty impactful marriage intimacy enhancers right out of First Peter. And also included in that passage some intimacy killers, but we'll get to those. Let's make sure we're all getting off on the same foot. Fill this in with me. There on the outline, whether you're married, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're widowed, blended, divorced, whatever. Come on, church. Let's endeavor. Let's fill that in. Let's endeavor. Let's commit to make it better. Amen? amen. Come on, let's hear a rousing amen from the crowd this morning. Amen? Let's endeavor to just lean in and, and trust and believe. In fact, this isn't in your outline, but in that passage there from 1 Peter, circle the word fervently. Do you see that word? Love one another fervently. Um, Peter gives a clue as to what he is striving at when he uses that word. Uh, it's a Greek word. It's the word Ek, 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 ek means out of, 
or from. Ek throughout scripture would be the origin of something. Ek teneo. Teneo means to stretch. To stretch. So this word for fervent love, this fervent love is for you to be the one that is stretching out. That is stretching that out. That is giving that out. Not always just the recipient of it, but the one that... And you are no closer to God ever than when you're actually doing that. And that's why I love the fact that Valentine's fallen on a Sunday because he stretched out and gave his best. That's fervent love. And so here's our, here's our A word for the, a, for, the, for, the, for the A valve. It's affection. The essential as essential as the, as the vowel A is, so is affection in our marriage. And so I love the fact that Peter gets us off on this idea of, of here's, here's literally what he says, ectaneo agape, the stretching out of God's, of God's love, which is one of the four loves that's, that, Lewis does a, a beautiful job describing for us that kind of takes us to a deeper level uh, of an understanding of love. So, Bon, um, because I think it's important to realize that we are very, very limited based on our English language when we only have one word for love to use. Like, I love Bon. I love Bon. And I love hockey. And it's sort of like, they, there needs to be, like, if you're from Canada. There needs to be a difference. There needs to be a difference. I, I couldn't agree more. And if, you're, if you live up in Canada, I mean, like, really way up north. Northern, like, Yukon territories, like, the uttermost. You have 50 words for snow. 50. We have one. It's snowing or it's not snowing. There, they need to know whether the snow is, like, snowing sideways or if it's just kind of like romantically falling you know a little bit at a time and love is the same way and so lewis writes this book and describes for us uh these four different types and i would say not just different types but levels of love go for it okay so there's four the first would be eros that's romantic love that's the love that movies and books and all the world focuses on. Yeah, eros, from, from where we get our English word. Yeah. Say it. No. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll so say that's it. the first Let me one. Say it. Erotic, this erotic eros love. Anyone guess? How many times does the Greek word eros, erotic love, how many times does that word for love show up in the Bible? Zippo. That ought to, like when I told you that, what'd you say? That ought to tell you something. <laughs> but there's got to be something more that the Lord has for us if he's not going to use. See, Eros was the love that was, that was surrounding what these writers now inspired by the Holy Spirit are, are, are pouring into this early church in the first century. It was the erotic love of the Greeks 
that it becomes so debased. In fact, the Romans would take the word eros from the Greek. What's the Roman word? Cupid. And, and, and here, what the Lord does is desires to see us understand romance I mean, he doesn't throw the whole thing out. Please don't misunderstand. There's an entire book in the Old Testament written for the sole purpose of romantic love, Song of Solomon, right? But here he's taking it for us and showing it in a perspective that is is honoring to God and, and the creator of love rather than us just pursuing our own natural animalistic instincts so eros okay that's number one but there's so much more you want more than that there's phileo and that's friendship fellowship over something that you have in common shared interests um i think this is fun this i mean if you can't have laughter in your marriage you're in trouble so uh phileo friendship fun fellowship and then the third one is storge, that's family, affection, familiar, warm, comfortable. And then finally, the fourth one is agape, unconditional love. And I think that the world focuses on everything but agape. And you're missing out because there is nothing more comfortable, familiar, fun, or romantic than unconditional love. Those are the four. Yeah, and I think what he's really doing there for us is he's going from the shallow end. And you don't want to just sort of like live in the shallow end. Um, and the eros love that it begins with. And I couldn't, I couldn't really, you know, of, of all of his books, and I'm a huge fan, but I don't think I could recommend a book more than then Lewis's breakdown, we don't have the time this morning to really go into the whole deal, but this book, The Four Loves, uh, I'd highly recommend to you. Put it on your book list and, um, you know, find it on Amazon like this afternoon and jump into it. And um, because this is what I'm hearing all the time. And, and I'll, I'll, they'll, they'll kind of get stuck. North County, San Diego, the American dream of it all. And it's a problem that's plaguing our culture. And it's, it's, it's not just the culture that struggles with this. This has now become a problem within the church. That you'll search to find someone special. You find that someone special. The one that you think is like perfect chemistry and all, right? And it's just like, what happens when the chemistry seems to sort of like get lost? Or the, the, the chemistry that was there, all of a sudden it seems like somebody pushed pause on the chemistry that was there. And all of a sudden you're like, writing me or emailing or you're like meeting with your friends and you're kind of wondering what's going on. I think I fell out of love. I just don't have the feeling anymore. It's, it's time I think that we find s- someone new, right? And, and, and you pack up and you move on because you've lost that love and feeling. You've lost that love no, and feeling. <laughs> and everyone just like, even within the church, they're just kind of like, they just throw up their arms and like, well, it's just the way it is, you know, because... Uh, my affections are beyond my control. What? Seriously? As if we're to run around in our lives 
chasing after our affections like like we're, we're, we're tethered to an access that our actions follow our affections, which is what everyone's buying into until you meet Jesus. And you never really fully experience the agape love, the sacrificial, unconditional, fervent, ectineo agape love until you meet Jesus. Like the storge thing, the storge thing that, that Bond's describing is, is out of reach until you're a parent. You're, you're a parent and you're just like, I, I do anything, anything, right, for this. And that affection comes upon you and takes you to a deeper level than just sort of the shallow place where it all begins. So these loves... In fact, I'm going to read this to you. I know you have the quote, and I know you can read it for yourself, but I'm not sure I would feel like I'm really doing my job justice if I didn't make sure that this quote from Lewis really kind of hit you between the eyes, like impacted your life, and it's like super small font. So let me do you the favor of reading it to you. Look what he says. Being in love is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. There are many things below it, and there are also things above it. You cannot make it the basis of a whole life, like sh the sh shallow end. It's a noble feeling, but it's still a feeling. No feeling can be relied on to last in its full intensity or even to last at all. Knowledge can last, principles can last, habits can last, but feelings come and go. And in fact, whatever people say, the state of called being in love, usually does not last. If the old fairy tale ending, they lived happily ever after, is taken to mean they felt for the next 50 years exactly as they felt the day before they were married, then it says what probably never was nor ever would be true or would be highly undesirable if it were. Who could bear to live in that excitement for even five years? What, really? Like, what's Lewis doing to our understanding of romance? Right? You know what he's doing? He's taking you out of the shallow end. Like, there were other girls. When I first started dating Bond, there were some other girls. There were also some other girls. There were a lot of other girls. Oh, there girls. were just a few. But, like... I, I finally went to this one guy who's actually in my wedding. I went to this one guy, and I'm like, I, I know Bond's the one. Bond's the one I just want to live with and marry and just be with forever. But there's this other, there's like one, one other girl, like one other girl in particular, and she was like, fun. <laughs> and you were like, deep. And I was like... You can be both. You can. And this guy... Uh, this guy so nailed it, and he described my life like a canoe. He said, you're like, Bob, you're like a canoe. You're like a kayak. And the, and the fun that you're talking about here is like the rapids. The rapids are fun. You, you like shoot down there, and you shoot over there, and it's fast, and it's exciting. But it's shallow, man, and there are rocks, and it will do a number on your canoe. You ought to find a lake, a lake that's deep and safe, and can still be fun, and enjoyable, and adventuresome, and exciting, but your canoe will last. And that's exactly what Lewis is talking about. He's like, 
He's like, where do you want to live? Where do you want to? You, you, you think that you could actually survive the rapids and sort of live in the shallow end of this whole thing, thinking that's all that love is? You're not even going to make it? He's like, even five years. What would become of your work, he says? What would become of your appetite, your sleep, your friendship? But, of course, ceasing to be in love need not mean ceasing to love. Love in this second sense, love as distinct from being in love is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit, reinforced by, in Christian marriages, the grace which both partners ask and receive from God. They can have this love for each other even, <laughs> even at those moments when they don't like each other. Been there. As you love yourself, even when you don't like yourself, being in love first moved them to promise fidelity. This quieter love, this lake, listen, enables them to keep the promise. It is on this love that the engine of marriage is run. Being in love was the explosion that started it. And so, um, yeah, I just would encourage you in your marriages, would you dwell on that thought? with us and allow the Lord through these other means and descriptions of love to also be what you are desiring to see lived out in your marriage. Because I am not just sitting next to my lover. And I, I am sitting next to my lover. We are, we are all about that. We're not like a couple prudes sitting up here. Like we're we're into that, but I'm also sitting next to my best friend. I am sitting next to my best friend, and I am sitting next to the one that is just getting better and better and better and better and better to be with over time. So fill this in. I just want to pull this little quote out of the big paragraph that I just read. You fill this in. Being in love is not merely a feeling. Right? That's what we read. It's right there in the quote. Just pull that out with me. It's not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit reinforced by the grace in which we ask and receive from God any thoughts I, <clears throat> I just think it's for some people they hear that and they think it's discouraging what do you mean I'm not going to have that that feeling can't last. Can't we make that last? And I think I th you can, but it, it gets deeper and richer and stronger and more mature. It can get so much better than just that initial excitement that some people just live for. And so when that excitement fades, they, there's nothing left and they look for the next excitement. That, I mean, I feel like that's what we watch the world doing. And, and they're missing out on the best part of love. Um, and just the comfort and the depth and the security and the fun, the fun that you can have when you unconditionally love each other is so much more than the fun that you have when you're worried about whether it's gonna end or they're not gonna stay with you or continue you know i mean it, it just changes everything to be 
to know that this person is 100% committed, they're never going to leave, they're never going to forsake, they're, they're never going to choose to stop loving because it's a choice, not a feeling. But feelings follow decisions, choices, habits. And that's what Jesus says. Here, here's our next fill-in, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your, come on, where your treasure is. Not where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a lot of times, even culturally, we'll want to flip that verse around. We'll even argue with Jesus and say, I think you got it backwards. It's where your heart is. It's where your heart is, there's your treasure. And, and, and that, because that's what the world is thinking. That's what the world is, is living for, that your, that your actions follow your affections. And Jesus radically, radically opposed that kind of thinking. Radically. So like rather than viewing your desires and your affections as being instinctive, as being rigid, as being firm, as being determined, Jesus taught that your affections are fluid. And they follow, like Bon just said, they follow your actions. That's wild. That, that, for some of us right now, that, that is the game changer. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your, in other words, your heart follows your treasure. So like, you gotta be very careful about what you're treasuring. Very careful. Because that's how your heart gets guarded by being careful about what you treasure. Because where your treasure, your heart's gonna go. It's gonna lean that way, like, like, we, we have this little herb garden growing outside the kitchen. And, and just describe that. We were talking about it even last night in the service that, that um, we'll describe it. Well, it's up against the house, so there's a little shade on one side. So all the plants lean out towards the sun. They, they lean towards, they focus on what they are desiring, what they are looking to, what sustains them. They are... Is there more? <laughs> well, I, I think it's, I, I think that's so applicable for us. Your affections, like the herb plants in our little garden, your affections are growing in a particular direction. There is more. Guys, please, li li please li listen to this. this. Your affections are growing, like those plants that are leaning towards the sun, desiring your affections are growing towards what you treasure. And treasuring is an action. When you treasure, when you, what does Jesus mean when he says where your treasure is? When, when you treasure something, you invest in it. You got, you got, some, you got some stocks, Daddy-O? Daddy, you're like right now in the midst of, and every morning you are popping up, you're early to rise to check out your treasure. Why? Because that's your investment. So here Jesus, in the context of our love, and we'll break this down in the weeks to come and look at it even in further depth, but Jesus here is guaranteeing you something. He is assuring you that your heart 
is going to follow your investment choices. And so, wow, like within marriage, you see, he's, he's, he's saying, make this your treasure. And your heart will follow. The affections will follow where you place the value. Right? I heard this story about a gal married to a grumpy, mean, drunkard of a husband. And uh, he spent every night at the tavern, spent every night at the bar with his buddies, with his mates. And he would boast to his buddies at the bar how if he was to take all of them back to his house, even after midnight, and asked his Christian wife to get up and cook a meal for all of them, she'd do it. She'd do it without complaining. And, and his friends at the bar are like, no way. You know what time it is? You know how late it is? There's no way. That's a vain boast. He's like, no, she'd do it. And so they dared him. They dared him to try it out. And so, the, like, he said, let's go. And so this whole crowd from the bar after midnight followed him home to where he then makes this unreasonable demand upon his wife. And she obeyed. She got dressed. She came down. She prepared a very nice supper. She, she, she served it cheerfully as if she had been expecting them to show up all along. And after they ate, one of the lads from the bar leaned over and asked her how she could be so kind, how she could be so loving when they had all been so unreasonable in their expectations and in their request. And, and, and knowingly she was disapproving of their conduct and yet was so sacrificial loving in response and he was bewildered by it he's like why did you do that and and she said this she said when my husband and I were married we were both unsaved we were both sinners and it pleased God to call me out of that condition and yet my husband sadly continues in it and I tremble for his future state. For if he were to die as he is, he'd be miserable forever. So I just find it to be my duty to render his present existence as enjoyable and as comfortable as possible. And not long after that, her husband got saved. And that's, that is the power of the, of the depth and level of love that, that Peter's describing, that Jesus came to describe. It's, 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 it's taking, as Lewis says, the explosion of eros, the, 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 the air of the romance that starts it off, but it goes deeper and deeper and deeper still. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what kills that? Let's wrap it up with some practical reminders of what to avoid, because there's some intimacy killers. You've even read some of them in 1 Peter. 
And then there's some intimacy enhancers. So give us your best shot on that. Fire away. Well, I think that there are two sides of the same coin. Um, the first thing I think, I always think, the first thing that can destroy intimacy in any relationship, but specifically in a marriage relationship, is to not be in prayer and to not be in the Word. Um, if you aren't, then you are relying on your own wisdom and your own strength and your own understanding. Um, you're not listening to the Creator of intimacy, the Creator of the one that you're desiring to have that relationship with, the one who knit you together and planned and purposed your whole lives. If you're not listening to Him, um, you're, you're going to make mistakes. Um, so number one is not being in prayer, not being in work. Do you think that's a surprise, though? I mean, for some, that that's like your first go-to yes, as, yeah, as the intimacy killer, and yet it is. Well, that's my take. I think you're right. Absolutely think you're right. I think biblically, you, you have solid ground for 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 that being right. Keep going? Yeah. I think the second, the second is disrespect or criticism or negativity in any form. Um, of course, ladies, he's not perfect, but you don't need to point it out. Of course, she's not perfect, I'm not perfect, but you don't need to point it out. Any criticism that comes in or disrespect immediately cuts off. Um, it just shuts everything down. Um, and then thirdly, selfishness, putting your needs ahead of the others. It's a, the opposite of what God calls us to do, and so it's just by its very nature something that uh, cuts down on intimacy. And It's a strong word. We, I mean, we kind of went back and forth in putting the outline together. I even questioned you on it even last night. I said, you know, killer. It's a strong word. Intimacy killer. It's a strong word. I can give you a story that illustrates it. Yeah. All right. Well, not, not that long ago, unfortunately. Uh, we went on a little three-day camping trip for Bob's birthday. And uh, on the last day, we were going for a walk, a nice long morning walk. And I thought, this is a great time to have a conversation, not about work, not about the kids. Let's have a conversation that bonds our hearts and, you know, just an intimate time together on this morning walk. Um, I thought it was a great plan. I didn't pray about it. How could it not be a great plan? Uh, I didn't worry about what I was going to say. Um, I've been married for 30 plus years. I got this. This is a piece of cake. Right? <laughs> so we're walking along, holding hands, having this nice romantic walk. And I said, honey, what do you dream about? In this season of our lives, what are your dreams? What are your hopes? It's not his favorite thing to do, share the deep things of his heart. It's not the favorite thing of a lot of men, but he, he did. He was, he was in the moment with me. He shared the deepest desire of his, a dream of his heart. Just a dream. Just it wasn't dream. like the deep, it was just like, I, I wasn't like prepared. Well, my response was to immediately say, why would you dream about that? <laughs> That's not practical. That's not realistic. It's too expensive. It doesn't fit with our life. Um, so needless to say, we weren't holding hands anymore. <laughs> um, it did not accomplish what I'd hoped for 
And he just very quietly said, why do you ask me what I am dreaming about and then tear it to pieces? Um, I did all three of the intimacy killers that we talked about. I didn't pray. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about what the word tells a wife to do. I was negative and critical, and I was being selfish. It's not my dream. Um, and, and not my dream anymore either. <laughs> a dumb dream because he loves me unconditionally because we're best friends we can now laugh about it i have a nickname i'm the dream killer okay but... all right point made what give me some enhancers okay <laughs> opposite side of the coin prayer in the word um the maker of heaven and earth wants to guide you into the best possible relationship, to the relationship in the way that he designed it to be, which is always the best. If you're looking to him in prayer before you open your mouth um, daily for them, for their dreams, there is prayer is the most amazing thing because it bonds hearts, but it also is a moment of asking God to become a part of a situation. And anytime you invite God in, it changes everything changes your focus, it changes the outcome, it changes everything. So prayer and the word, the, the word is alive. It will tell you what to do and when to do it if you lean into it and you pray about it. Um, that's the number one way to enhance your marriage. Yeah, and I think even communicating those things out together, you know, that was sort of a, you know, it was a little uh, icy dicey, just moment, but. It kind of ruined the whole birthday Just, trip well you know like but we're better for it yes we are more on page as a result i think communication is huge in this whole thing work on communication together and not just one word answers or grunts but really getting into the heart of the issue and 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 talking well, what do you mean by that what do you really what do you and being on the same page will enhance your intimacy say amen being on the same page with communication because not being on the same page, that's the killer. And you want to be on the same page. And so ask yourself, as you kind of wrap this thing up, put on like some intimacy killers for you. Maybe turn to Galatians 5 sometime, you know, this week uh, and read that. Because in Galatians chapter 5, you'll have a list of intimacy killers. And selfishness is like right up there with immorality. And it kills intimacy. But then you also have this list in the very same chapter, Galatians chapter 5, of enhancers of intimacy, like the fruit of the Spirit. And then ask yourself, wrap this up. Band's going to come out. Listen, just ask yourself, how would God desire this marriage vow, this affection, to become even more vibrant, even more alive in your life, even more active in your marriage, even, even more dominantly played out this affection in all of the levels of love that are described for us in this language of marriage because 33 years into it almost almost 33 in may um what what would you say now 33 years into it what would you say now to the Bob and Bonnie 33 years ago. What do you know now that you wish you would have known then? 
Well, there's just a couple short scriptures that come to mind, and and one is uh, that it is better to give than to receive. And as hard as it is to say that in front of you, because you give more than I do, um, I think early on, well, early on when we got married, I, I was, of course, oh, I'm going to be a great wife. I'm going to make him happy. But it was really about what I, men don't necessarily tell you their hopes and dreams for your marriage relationship. And I, so I had all the hopes and dreams and it was all about me and what I wanted and what I was hoping for my future. And I've learned you can't outgive God. So anytime you give your will and your thoughts and your emotions, you surrender them to the Lord, you, you selflessly surrender it to the desires of another person over and over and over. You can't outgive God. What he gives you is so much better than what you were hoping for and what you were dreaming for because he created everything and has he wants you to have that exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think life. And so if if I had just really believed that it was better to give than to receive and trusted God to meet my needs, not put that on another person. Um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I wish I would have known. I wish I would have believed in the power and the truth and the realness of God's word then like I do now. Yeah, I think back then we knew that this was true. But I wish I would have known back then what I know now that it's not only true, it's better. It's better. His plans are better, you guys. You don't have to run ahead of him. You don't have to think that you know better than he does. His plans for you, they're not only right and they're not only true, they're better. And you know what else I wish? I knew then that I know now that there's more to love than Eros. Because all I wanted then was Eros. And as much as I am a hopeless romantic, it has grown deeper and more beautiful over the days and the weeks and the years. I wouldn't trade what we've got today for anything than we had when we started. Amen? Come on, would you stand with us? Let's stand.